It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The political landscape is shifting under our feet. As we speak, members of Congress, the Republican Party debate whether or not to take up President Donald Trump's populist message and increase the amount of stimulus checks going to Americans for COVID relief from $600 to $2,000. It represents, it typifies, it exemplifies some of the biggest changes in our political landscape over the last four years. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. This is Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends on the weekend. I was formerly with ESPN where I spent my days talking sports, but I'm excited to address more important issues with you here today. The thing about sports and politics is that they're almost inseparable. Every aspect of our society including sports, has been infiltrated with political ideology. And it's not just ideology, it's action. What you can see, what you've begun to see, is a proliferation of destruction in people's lives when it comes to their beliefs. And not just their beliefs, their mistakes. What I'm talking about is a story out of the New York Times where a young 15-year-old was canceled. The College of Her Dreams yanked away from her future for a mistake that she made. Yes, an admitted mistake, an egregious mistake, but a mistake that she made when she was a freshman in high school. We're going to bring you up to date on the story of Mimi Rogers in the New York Times and the University of Tennessee a little bit later in today's show. But I want to start, if I may, with the political landscape shifting under our feet. There is no doubt that President Donald Trump has changed the message of the Republican Party, pushed it in a populist direction. At the same time, the Democratic Party veers far to the left. In my contention, the furthest left it's been since the 1930s under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And if there's one issue that represents these changes, in my estimation, it's the battle going on right now largely among Republicans, on whether or not to give Americans a greater amount of relief when it comes to government-mandated shutdowns, businesses being crushed, livelihoods being stamped out. Some, like Senator Rand Paul, think we need to make sure we pay attention to our deficit. Others, like Senator Josh Hawley, say now is the time to pull Americans out of this emergency. So yesterday, the House passed an increase in those COVID relief checks from $600 to $2,000. What will the Senate do now? Find out. Let's go to our Fox News congressional correspondent, Chad Bergram, who is on the line right now. Good morning, Chad. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Give us the latest, if you can, on where that battle stands, largely, I think, among Republicans on whether or not to take up Donald Trump's message and increase the value, the number, the size of those checks going to Americans. You're right. The internal battle is on the Republican side of the aisle. When Donald Trump uh, indicated that he wanted $2,000 in direct payments, Democrats saw an opening. They jumped onto that. They pounced right away because you know they were pushing for 1,200, and then said, "Well, maybe we can get to you know to $2,000." And so Nancy Pelosi, no fool, she she put the bill on the floor last night, which passed overwhelmingly. There were 275 yeas. 
but there were only 44 Republicans who voted yes. This has been the inherent problem with this uh, stimulus bill here to deal with the pandemic, is that Republicans and the president, just not on this this issue, but on a host of issues, have been on different pages. Uh, you mentioned Josh Hawley. You know, he was teaming with, of all people, Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, to push for $2,000. Uh, and now this goes to the United States Senate. Um, you have to get 60 votes in the Senate to terminate a filibuster. It's unclear that this goes anywhere. And Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, has indicated that he's going to try uh, to get that bill up on the floor today when the Senate meets. Uh, Senator Sanders indicated that uh, he said if the Senate does not consider this proposal, he said, I'm not going to let the Senate adjourn for New Year's. Uh, They were going to be here most of the week anyway because they have to try to override the president's uh, veto of the defense bill, which the House also did last night. Again, another representation where a lot of Republicans were not on the same page with the president because you had more than 100 Republicans voting to override his veto. Uh, We're on the precipice of having uh, the first full override of a presidential veto under the Trump administration when this goes to the Senate. Could happen as early as today, but it takes cooperation probably later in the week. Again, maybe on New Year's Eve, frankly. So that's the state of affairs here where you have the president just not aligning with his party. And don't forget that he surprised many Republicans. I mean, Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, he was on the floor uh, just before Christmas and blocked Josh Hawley when he tried uh, to get uh, the two thousand. I'm sorry, the twelve hundred dollar bill on the floor. So that shows the disconnect. And so even though this moved through the House, they're probably not going to get this through the Senate and they're probably not going to be able to get that price tag, two thousand dollars in direct payments to the Senate under the new Congress when uh, Joe Biden comes to office as well. Chad, I hear you that you're pessimistic. Those checks will pass through the Senate. Those increased checks will pass through the Senate. If I could, I'd love to ask you a little bit of a forward-looking question. You are plugged in with those members of Congress and in the Senate. Um, Do you see this growing divide? Do you see a separation in the Republican Party between those who I guess we would qualify or term as populist. We'll use Josh Hawley as an example of that. And those who perhaps adhere to more traditional Republican issues like deficit hawks. Do you see that as a divide inside those Republican Senate halls going forward? Well, you're starting to hear that deficit hawk uh, conversation start again. This is one of the reasons why Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, struggled for months to advance any sort of uh, additional coronavirus relief because he was looking at maybe doing $300 billion, $500 billion, you know, in, in, in coronavirus aid. And it took so long because he was hearing from, you know, and he said there's about 20 Republican senators who don't want to do any another bill at all. I mean, they just said, you know, the votes aren't there. And so, yes, that is reflective of this position. And a lot of Democrats believe that this is hypocritical that uh, Republicans exploded the deficit under the Trump administration. You know, the first thing they did was the the big tax cut bill a couple of years ago, uh, which certainly didn't help and was supposed to spur economic growth. And it did a little bit, but not but not as much as they had, had forecast. And then, of course, you have the pandemic and all the economic downturn associated with that. And they said, well, guess what? They, they will suddenly get that, that deficit hawk religion again when Democrats come into office. And, and we saw that. That was a lot of the criticism after uh, the economic collapse in 2008 and President Obama and his stimulus package and, and some of the, the spending that went on there. So, yes, uh, you're right. But again, you're going to have to see where the pandemic goes and see where the economy goes, because, you know, members of Congress, you know, they, they stand for election. And they are very receptive to what their constituents are telling them. And if this drifts on well into the spring, into the summer, or we don't see the the economy starting to pick back up, 
there could be an appetite. And I will say this, even though they didn't approve the $2,000, there is going to be at some point, and Mitch McConnell has agreed to this, basically, another uh, coronavirus bill sometime in the new year. And did they throw another $600 out there? Did they put another $1,400? You see where you get above $2,000 pretty quickly, depending on what that next piece of legislation looks like. One last question with Chad Bergram, Fox News, congressional correspondent here on The Brian Kilmeade Show, Will Kane filling in for Brian today. The last question is, over, I'd say, I don't know, the last week or so, I've been privileged to fill in on, I don't know how many programs at this point, whether or not it be Fox and Friends weekday, whether or not it be The Five. And last night I filled in on the story, filling in for Martha McCallum. Now, I am the new guy at Fox News. I accept that mantle. It's only been about five or six months walking these halls. And there is another Kane who's been walking these halls a little more frequently than me. And he also has played Superman. I often come off as Superman. I give you that. But he really was Superman, Dean Kane. So have we clarified last night, Chad, you called me <laughs> Dean twice on air. Have you uh, been, have you made it clear that I'm not Dean? In fact, I am Will Kane. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but you see, this, this, this tells me what I think of you. You know, I'm like, you know, you can leap tall buildings in a right. single bound. Right. You, you know, you play the mild-mannered reporter with the you know, the, the glasses at the Daily Planet, you know, so you see, this, this shows, I, I think, very highly of you here. <laughs> <laughs> Way to spin it, Chad. Way to but, spin but my, it. But my apologies. Uh, thank you for being a good sport about that. I loved it. I appreciate it. I loved it, actually. You allowed me to laugh at myself a little bit. Well, Chad, like I said, you can call me Batman anytime. Batman was always my favorite superhero growing up. Mine as well. I like any superhero who's a self-made man, like Batman or Iron Man, not born with their <laughs> natural, supernatural abilities or bitten by a radioactive spider, but actually made themselves into a superhero so that's uh, why i like batman Anybody exactly could be batman all right that's we'll see you kid. later Absolutely. bruce wayne see you bruce thank you all right thank you this is chad program here on the brian kilmeade show again will kane filling in for brian today let's delve a little bit deeper into these political landscapes shifting under our feet i don't think i'm overstating this Think about what's happened over the last four to five years and the Republican Party alone. Think about the direction this party has pulled. If you listened to Republicans six years ago, you would have heard sounds, issues, points like this. You would have heard Republicans talking about being very hawkish on foreign wars. Now, President Donald Trump has asked Americans, asked the Republicans to be a little more dovish when it comes to foreign policy. That's not avoid war at all costs and certainly not appease your enemies. But what it means is putting America First, asking that essential question, does this serve our interests before others? Before we commit our blood and treasure overseas, have we answered the question of whether or not this serves American interests first? Six, eight years ago, you would have heard Republicans talk about free trade, that a rising tide lifts all boats. Unfettered global capitalism is the answer to our economic dreams. I know I would have said that. President Donald Trump has pushed the party in a populist direction, and I think very appropriately pointed out that China is not a fair free trade partner. China sees economics as a zero-sum game, and they intend to win that game. That change in the Republican Party is a change in a populist note. You want to always remain a principled human being, a principled individual, but you also want to understand the needs of your fellow man. And the Republican Party, again, under Donald Trump over the last four to five years, has come more in touch, I think, with middle class Americans, the working man, the forgotten man in unfettered capitalism. 
The party is pushed in this populist direction. What can we do to help out average, everyday Americans without compromising in the slightest extent our devotion to capitalism and free markets, our devotion to absolute freedom? So the question is, where does the Republican Party go going forward? And perhaps this moment in time, where they're debating whether or not to increase those checks from $600 to $2,000 is the perfect example. Maybe the canary in the coal mine. Maybe the arrow pointing us in which way the Republican Party will go. Charlie Hurt was on Tucker Carlson last night. He was filling in or he was sitting in with Mark Stein who was filling in for Tucker Carlson. And he shared my sentiment that we're in an emergency situation. Is now the time to all of a sudden start counting the deficit? Listen to this. To me, the most appalling part of all of it is the fact that they're going to give us $600 back. They're going to give us $600 back. We're mm. supposed to say thank you for this. This is $600 of our money that we made. Of course, it ought to be a whole lot more than that in the first place. But the funny thing about this is if they want to give us more our money back to, to fight the pandemic, how about just don't take it from us in the first place? How about that? That would be a try. Of course, they will never do that because they always want the money to flow through Washington so they can take their skim. Then they can give it back to us, and then they can stand there and wait to be thanked for, uh, for them giving it to us. That's the debate among Republicans. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, when it comes to the Democrats, I think we have seen a whip-neck turn to the left, the furthest left that party's been, as I said, since the 1930s, pulled by the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders. The Democratic Party is also changing Bernie Sanders has laid out exactly how progressive he thinks the Democratic Party has become. In fact, he put a number on it. Listen. The progressive movement itself probably is 35 or 40 percent of the Democratic coalition. Uh, And I believe that the progressive movement deserves seats uh, in the cabinet. That has not yet happened. As progressives, you know, we are still pushing to see more of us uh, as part of um, the transition team? The answer is we we need to to shift power. We need to make sure that we have a transition of power in the leadership of the Democratic Party. There you hear Bernie Sanders, Ilan Omar, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So as the Democratic Party veers far to the left, the Republican Party debates how populist, how in touch with the common man to remain. I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you whether or not I think the Republican Party should increase those checks from $600 to $2,000. And I'll tell you exactly why. I'll give you three main reasons why I believe Republicans should increase the size of those checks. And you can give me a call and join the conversation at 866-408-7669. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade on Fox News Radio. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. 
Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can always join the conversation at 866-408-7669. You can follow me on Twitter at Will Kane, W-I-L-L-C-A-I-N. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends on the weekend. I asked you which direction will the Republican Party head in the coming years? Will it follow Donald Trump's populist repositioning of the party? I think we know at this point the Democratic Party will continue to be pulled further to the left by the likes of Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But which way will the Republican Party go? And perhaps the answer to that lies in whether or not Republicans will approve the increase in COVID relief checks from $600 to $2,000. I believe the Republican Party should continue, continue, to pay attention to the working man, pay attention to the middle class, pay attention to the losers, quite honestly, of capitalism. I come from a small town in Texas, Sherman, Texas, and I've seen what used to be a town full of industry and manufacturing absolutely get hollowed out. I've seen small town America suffer as trade and manufacturing goes to China. I would like to see the Republican Party, yes, embrace capitalism, yes, embrace free trade, but also pay attention to the losers, In that equation. And as such, I think Republicans in the Senate should pass an increase in those checks. There's three reasons why. Number one, this is not a normal economic crisis. This is not normal economic times. This is a virus exported by China and an economic crisis mandated by government. Local, state, and national government has forced us into an economic crisis. Americans having their businesses shut down should be helped. This is, again, not a normal economic crisis. Number two, why then now is when Republicans start paying attention to deficits? Once again, deficits matter. We should be paying attention to deficits. But Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. We're in an emergency. Newt Gingrich told me this morning, it's like being in World War II. You do what you can do to get out of the emergency. And then you get back to growing the economy and balancing the budget. This is not the time to all of a sudden rediscover your religion to deficits. Discover it after we're out of this government-mandated economic crisis. And finally, number three, this is our money. Make no mistake. That is American taxpayer dollars 
No one's asking for a bigger administrative state, a big welfare state, some big government programs. What's being talked about is the return of tax dollars already paid in to the federal coffers. That's your money. That's our money. We could ask that the government take it or take less in the first place to not tax us so much to begin with. But for now, how about just giving us back some of our money to get us out of this crisis and then we'll rededicate ourselves to balancing these budgets. Coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show here with Will Kane, I want to bring in Alan West. I want to ask him about this. I want to ask him about this horrendous story in the New York Times canceling a 15-year-old for her adolescent mistakes. That's coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know a story you haven't heard about? Not unless you've paid attention to Fox News. You know a story you haven't heard about if you've been listening to just the mainstream media? Why are the numbers, the coronavirus case numbers in California, absolutely exploding among the biggest, strictest lockdowns in the nation, while a relatively open state like Florida has much lower numbers? Why are you not allowed to pay attention to the stats, the quote-unquote science? Why are you not allowed to ask questions about your mandates, your shutdowns, your edicts from on high? That's coming up in a little bit here on the Will Kane Show. Rather, that was instinct. If Brian's listening out there, I'm sorry. I did host my own radio show for two or three years, so I got used to saying that. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show and will always remain so. I'm just honored to sit in his seat today. My name is Will Kane. I was with ESPN for five years. Hosted my own radio show there. Now I'm happy to be over here at Fox News hosting Fox and Friends on the weekend. I'm also happy now to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He's chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. He's a former Florida congressman and, importantly, the author of a book entitled Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Colonel West, I want to get to your book and its title in just a moment, but I'd love to get your feedback on something I've been talking about so far this morning. I think it's a big question where the Republican Party is going forward. Will it get more populist, reflect the ideas of Donald Trump, or return to a lot of the issues and positions it held in the past? And I think this COVID relief bill sort of points the direction Do you think we should be increasing these checks from $600 to $2,000 at this time in our nation's really unique economic crisis? Well, Will, it's good to be with you, and I wish you a happy new year. And you you pose a very interesting and very appropriate question as far as the future of the Republican Party going forward. But when I look at these stimulus checks, first and foremost, I think what is angering a lot of Americans when they see the billions of dollars, American taxpayer dollars, that are going out to these other countries, but yet we need to do the right thing by the American people. I would like to see – Sure, you got to have a, a probably short-term fix, but you cannot look at a $600 check or a $2,000 check. That's putting a Band-Aid over a sucking chest wound, as, as we would say in the military. The most important thing we need to be doing for our economy, uh, and you just talked about it, when you look at the California or Florida, some of the other states, we need to get our businesses back open. We need to get people back to, to, to work. We need to understand what we can do within these CDC guidelines, but we cannot continue to cut our own throats. 
votes when we look at bleeding out our economy. So I think in the short term, yes, you need to provide some type of relief uh, and and assistance to these families, but you cannot look at this continuing on as a long-term solution to this uh, economic issue that has really been created because you had uh, elected officials believe they had an enumerated power to say who and what is essential in America. The most important and essential thing is America's liberty, not shutting down businesses. Absolutely agree with you, Colonel West. I think the best thing government can do is allow us to open up, allow us to keep more of our money, not hand it back out to us. But in this emergency Mm -hmm. situation, I do think they have to help get us out of the crisis that they themselves created with these lockdowns. You know, I don't know how plugged in you are in this story, Colonel West, so I'll, I'll sort of recap it. But I'd love to get your feedback on this. It's the story out of the New York Times where they essentially have glorified cancel culture. The details are really pretty grotesque. It's the story of a 15-year-old girl who put a post up on social media when she was a freshman in high school. In it, she was either quoting a rap lyric or attempting to be pop culture cool or whatever she was doing. She used a racial slur. She used one inappropriately. And by the way, makes no excuses for her behavior, even though she was 15 years old, has apologized and said she has to learn and do better. The question is what price she has to pay along the way. A fellow student of hers, Colonel West, held that video, found it, held it, actually for like two or three years until she was a senior. And as she was applying to colleges, put it out. This was in the midst, of course, of the BLM movement. And the University of mm-hmm. Tennessee asked her to withdraw from having been admitted into that university. She's now in community college somewhere. She's paid a really high price. And the question, Colonel West, is how big a price do we ask our children to pay for the mistakes that they make? You know, I I was not familiar with this story, but I am appalled because I'm a 1983 graduate of the University of Tennessee there in Knoxville. And I cannot believe that uh, my university would, you know, take such a harmful approach against a young lady. And that shows this council culture, how it is completely gone off the rails. We cannot live in a zero defects culture. We cannot live in a society that says you cannot make a, a simple uh, mistake that really does no major harm to anyone and you apologize for it. You accept responsibility and accountability, something that a lot of politicians don't do. But yet we're going to punish this young lady who worked hard, obviously through her years in high school, got admitted to you know Big Orange to Rocky Top, and now Rocky Top is going to pull the carpet from under her feet. That's disgusting to me. And uh, we cannot continue down a path that says you cannot make a mistake. And Will, when we look at some of the lyrics from these rap artists, and I guarantee you that the University of Tennessee has allowed some of these rap artists maybe to be in concerts on the campus, or uh, you do have students that are playing music that probably use some of those racial uh, slurs and epithets. Uh, are are they you know banning that type of music on the campus? So this hypocrisy has gone too far. Yeah, Colonel West, I, I just think the, the the real villains in this story, of course, the, the the other student who was also a child, by the way, did a really malicious thing to a fellow student. Of but course, the real villains in this story are the adults. It's the University of Tennessee giving in to this mob cancel culture. It's the New York Times glorifying the story. And and I think the real question is, and, I, and you pointed to it right here, is do we allow people to grow or do we destroy them? Do we, mm-hmm. do, you know, I was in sports for years, Colonel West. I watched, I watched athlete after athlete. And you know the worst thing that could happen to you is you won the Heisman Trophy or the national championship mm-hmm. or got picked high mm-hmm. in the draft because you know what they did? These Pulitzer Prize winning or Pulitzer Prize seeking journalists dig through your Twitter history. And God forbid you said something stupid, as every kid does when he's 13. They destroyed you for it. 
We're just in this deep societal sickness of destroying each other, I think. No, we really are, and it's it's amazing to me that you know are we trying to to to, to live on a false pretense that we have to be one hundred percent perfect? I mean, that's not going to be the case. We are flawed individuals. I mean, we're human beings. But if we don't believe in redemption, if we don't believe that people can honestly and and sincerely, uh, you know, be contrite about some things that they have done in their past, especially as a kid. Right. I mean, as a kid, you're supposed to be growing. You're supposed to be learning. But we'll think about this again. When you go back to our culture, when you go back to our entertainment industry, when you see those words being used in music and everywhere, and no one is is saying that that's wrong, then what are the mixed messages that we're sending the kids in that uh, it's okay to say it in this case, but if you say it as a 13-year-old and we hold on to it for four years, then then it's bad, even though you apologize for it. So we are sending some very confused messages out into our society. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here on the Brian Kilmeade Show today. Will Kane filling in for Colonel for Brian Kilmeade. Colonel West has written a book. It's entitled... Hold Texas, hold the nation, victory or death. I want to ask you about that. Listen, I am a native, born and raised, unapologetic, proud Texan, but I don't live there anymore. Well, I might. My family's there now. I don't know. We might be in the process of moving to Texas, moving back to Welcome Texas. Back. Colonel Come West. on back. Well, this is where I get to you. You know, there was a famous saying back in the 18, I believe it would have been the 30s, is people wrote GTT on their front door, gone to Texas, when there was the rush to mm-hmm. opportunity in Texas. And there's a saying many like you have adopted, which is, I wasn't born here, but I got here as quickly as I could. So I know yeah. you're a Texan by choice. You also know how important that is. Texas is is in the process of a lot of people choosing to move there. And the question I have, and I think a lot of Texans, my friends and family ask is, are they going to leave their politics behind? Are they going to bring their California politics with them and turn that state purple? You know, that's a a very important question, and that's what we are facing right now. And that was one of the messages I wanted to get out as the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. And, uh, you know, being a graduate of the University of Tennessee and, of course, one of the favorite sons of Tennessee, uh, we earned our nickname Volunteers for those men who went and fought there uh, for the Texas independence, fought at the Alamo. You had another former member of Congress by the name of Davy Crockett, who uh, when he lost his congressional reelection, he said, uh, may you all go to hell, I'm going to Texas. <laughs> and, and, and it's that type of spirit that you know defines being in Texas, not about where you're born, not about where you came from, but it's about that spirit, that rugged individuality and, and that entrepreneurial spirit. So when you hear about Oracle leaving you know, California, when you hear about Elon Musk leaving and bringing Tesla to to Texas. The most important thing that these corporate leaders need to do is talk to their employees. Get them to understand why they are leaving California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey. You have individuals that are moving singularly into Texas, and they get it. They're tired of the, the onerous taxation and the, and the policies of these places. But I don't think these corporate leaders are doing a good job talking to their employees that they're bringing into a state like Texas to get them to understand, don't come and screw it up in Texas because I'm leaving uh, because of the policies of the people that you voted for. And so that's the message we have to get out. And furthermore, we've got to do a better job in our education systems. Uh, I live up in Garland, Texas, right outside of uh, Dallas. But I will tell you, in Grapevine, Texas, which is right over near the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, Grapevine High School has a Marxist club. Now, who would have ever thought that a high school in Texas would have a Marxist club? 
So we've got some things to do as far as these uh, newcomers that are coming in as part of these corporate business relocations. Charles Schwab is talking about leaving New York, New Jersey. J.P. Morgan Chase with Jamie Dimon is talking about leaving New York, New Jersey. Uh, We welcome them. But we need them to do as God told Lot when he was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't look back. You bring up one famous Tennessean who became a Texan, Davy Crockett. Another is Sam Houston, the uh, first That's president right. of the state of the Republic of Texas, who our friend Brian Kilmeade has written a book about entitled Sam Houston mm-hmm. and the Alamo Avengers. Deep relationship, as you point out, between Tennessee and Texas. And by the way, it goes the other way as well. I spent a good portion of my t- pandemic time, quarantine time, in Blount County, Tennessee, and I've come to love that oh, yeah. state, uh, East Tennessee. And so uh, there's a lot of crossover between these two states. Deep relationship. I always love talking to you, Colonel. West. Thanks so much for jumping on with us today. Thank you, Will, and uh, Happy New Year to you. You as well. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian. You can always join us at 866-408-7669. Follow me on Twitter at Will Kane. Let me hear from you now, like Andrew in Victorville, California. What's up, Andrew? How's it going? This is a, that's a, a, a hard act to follow with Mr. West right there. That's a, a scholar and a gentleman right there. Well, you're up to the task. Uh, what do you have for us? Well, what I wanted to say was that the the Congress and Senate and and pretty much everyone in D.C. has has for a long time now gotten <clears throat> gotten very far away from Constitution and their their oaths of office. They they kind of chuckle and joke about and <clears throat> a lot of them downright say that the Constitution is an impediment to getting done what they need to get done and that goes into the the revolution that's taking place before our very eyes if if we if we cut out the lesbian gender studies and uh dance theory classes in high schools and colleges and implemented a reading of the Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn we could we could see where where this country's going as far as uh, uh, having a communist revolution take place. There's about socialists that are sitting in Congress right now, and it, it's just, right. it really is a shame that, that the younger generation doesn't know what they have ahead of them. Well, I'd say this, Andrew. Um, Nikki Haley tweeted out, I think within the last 24 hours, that socialism – is absolutely been more embraced in 2020 than any point in our history. And the source of much of that acceptance of socialism is coming from academia. I totally agree with you on that. Colonel West brought it up. Academia is the place, and by the way, it's proliferated into prop culture, into the sports media industry, sports industry. Every aspect of our society has that kind of ideology proliferated. I don't know what the solution will be. We can diagnose the problem, but then we have to figure out what the cure is. One more, Steve in Orlando. What's up, Steve? Yeah, yeah, listen. First off, number one, there's 5 million jobs a day that go unfilled. I don't want to hear about unemployment benefits. This is garbage. Absolute lies. There's help when it signs everywhere. You know what? Sometimes you get a job. It might be the one you want, but it might be the one you need. Period. End of story. Number two, if we let these clowns give out $2,000 to everybody, all they're going to do is ruin our money even more than it will which is absolutely horrific that an F-150 cost $85,000 when I, in 89, could buy the same truck for $8,900. This is absolutely nuts. This is crazy, but our wages aren't going up anywhere. Number three, if they really want to help the American people, 
Why would they just say everybody under $100,000 a year, you're not going to pay federal tax for the next five years? They really want to help everybody out because it ain't going to hurt Elon Musk if he raised his taxes to 90%. Still got more money than he'll ever spend in a thousand generations. So if you really want to help, you don't see Elon Musk and and Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump and those people in a Walmart parking lot. You see the poor working white trash like me that's out here busting my rear end for for 14 or 16 hours a day trying to make a living. Why these clowns want to glorify people that sit at home and can't decide what sex they want to be. This is it's gross. It's stupid. I hear you, Steve. I hear you. And I understand that the ideal would be to tax less. In the meantime, I see these potential $2,000 checks not just as printing money and I hear you about inflation, but returning our money. I would much rather that money just simply be returned to us rather than filtered through another government administration program where, yes, it will fund things like you're referencing, gender studies programs in Pakistan or more money for the Kennedy Center. Returning money to Americans in a time of crisis is, is, is in essence, reducing our taxes. It's our money to begin with. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in. You can always join the conversation, 866-408-7669. Have you heard the audio of the Nashville bomber's neighbor describing why he did this? It's the closest we've got to a motive. You've got to hear this audio. That's coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You're not with Brian Kilmeade today, though. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian on the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday mornings, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I was formerly spent five years with ESPN, was doing a sports radio show for all of those years. Before that, was in politics, worked for places like The Blaze. And if I go back in the archives, I can probably find some old clip of me on Fox and Friends with Brian when I was undoubtedly working for free and he was undoubtedly making fun of me in some way. It's good to know that some things don't change. We continue to search for a motive, a why in the Nashville bombing. We have the suspect in name. And I'm not going to say his name, not just because it would take me a moment to look it up here, but because increasingly I think that we shouldn't say their names, or at least we say it in the beginning, we notify the public, and then we do not continue to glorify their names because that might just be the motive. I want you to listen to this audio from the Nashville, suspected Nashville bomber's neighbor on the week before Christmas. Listen to this. So is Santa going to bring you anything good for Christmas? And he said, he smiled and he said, yes, I'm going to be famous. Nashville in the world is never going to forget me. And I didn't think anything of it. Yes, I'm going to be famous. Nashville in the world will never forget me. School shooters, bombers, they want to be famous. They want us to say their name. Maybe we should take the lesson. Stop elevating their names and their personas. Say it once, put the news out, and then be done with these psychopaths. The closest we have to a motive. More Brian Kilmeade show with Will Kane coming up. Big hour. You don't want to miss it. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I believe, I think, no, I know we are at a critical moment in this nation's history. It goes beyond politics. It goes beyond culture. There is a new form of racism that goes under the name anti-racism. There's a new form of segregation pioneered by the left proliferating across this country. And there is a great question about our future. Will we look at each other as individuals? Will we judge each other by our actions and our character? Or will we group each other into the shallow characteristics of our skin color? That is at the heart of everything facing the United States of America. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Brian was kind enough to invite me to sit in for him as he takes a break. I'm assuming he's somewhere drinking a Bloody Mary on this 10 o'clock Eastern time Tuesday. If not, hopefully he's sleeping in for once in his life. The man has more energy than anyone I have ever seen in my life, bouncing off the walls at all hours of the morning. If you aren't familiar with me, you might have caught me over the last five years on ESPN Radio, where I hosted my own show, The Will Cain Show, for several years. Before that, I was in politics, worked for places like The Blaze, and appeared on Fox News. I'm happy to rejoin the Fox News family just in the past six months, hosting Fox and Friends, and really excited to be hanging out here on The Brian Kilmeade Radio Show. I do believe that the biggest issue facing our country is one of individuality. It's core to who I am. Look, It's the center post in every aspect of my life, my action, and how I view stories. Will we be treated as individuals? Will you be judged as a man? Will people take the time to understand your thoughts, your character, importantly, your actions? Not your virtue signaling on Twitter. Not even the way you vote. But whether or not your actions in life, your merit, your character, define who we are. The left has been pushing an ideology at breakneck speed, I believe, over the last 10 years, one that forces us to look at each other through the prism of our skin color, group ourselves into identity politics, and have it dictate everything. And as such, therefore, you can tweet, you can say just the right fashionable politics, and you are virtuous. Meanwhile, say you're somebody like Drew Brees, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, who's given away, I think it's like $50 million in his career to helping underprivileged minorities in Louisiana, but when he neglected to parrot the fashionable point of view of Colin Kaepernick's protest, Drew Brees was canceled because that is the enforcement mechanism. When you don't signal virtuously in the fashionable, acceptable way of the left, your actions be damned. You see, canceling someone is the boot heel now of this, yes, fascist ideology. It's funny. Everything the left projects right now is actually the characteristics they are harboring. If they yell racist, I am very certain they are the ones harboring racist thoughts and probably racist actions in their life. If they yell fascist, they're the ones embracing fascist cancel culture ideology. It is a thought process of projection. And let me give you the most disgusting story I can think of in the last couple of days. A young lady who was a freshman in high school did something wrong. 
At 15 years old, she put a post out on social media where she used a racial slur, the N-word, quoting pop culture or rap lyrics, whatever it may be, wrong to do so. A fellow student grabbed that video, held it for upwards of a year, I believe, until her life had taken on some trajectory towards success. She had applied to the University of Tennessee, was going to join the cheer team. That's what she wanted in life. It was at that moment that he sprung that video out to the public. It's the same time as BLM protests across the country. It was designed to inflict maximum damage, and it did. The University of Tennessee told this young lady named Mimi Groves, you need to step back. You need to not come to the University of Tennessee, and if you don't, we're going to rescind your admission. Of course, she couldn't be on the cheer team. She's now in a community college somewhere. Maximum damage intended, maximum damage affected. This is who we are, or at least a great many of us in this country, looking to project our virtues onto the mistakes of adolescents and destroy their futures to feel better about ourselves. Projecting so that they are never looked at themselves and destroying to employ their fascist ideology. I guess I haven't gotten enough of Rachel Campos Duffy over the last three to four days. We've been hosting Fox and Friends together, filling in Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And I've talked about this story with my friend and co-host, Rachel, who's now on the lines here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, Will Kane filling in. Rachel, you have nine kids. Can you imagine them paying the price for the mistakes they make when they are 15? No. And it's something, you know, you had the lawyer for this young lady on your show. And as soon as I saw that she was, he was going to come on and this topic was going to be discussed, I literally called my kids, my teenagers, my college kids who are home right now into the room. I said, I want you to watch this. And um, it's just, it's so relevant. It's, it's happening. This is the, you know, cancel culture, woke culture that our kids are growing up in. And you add social media to that. Um, and it, it can be combustible. Um, and I, you know, mentioned a little bit to you that my own family went through it. Um, in my, my daughter's, I believe, sophomore year of college, she um, uh, said, so it was last spring, she said, um, uh, they have a, uh, it was, she goes to the University of Chicago. She mentioned they had like a public event about um, voting and all kids were encouraged to hold up a sign and say what they were, what, what, why they're voting. And this was just before, you know, the pandemic really was anything that we were much talking about. It was barely being mentioned, um, hadn't yet really hit our shores. Um, and she held up a sign that said uh, socialism, uh, I mean, she said uh, coronavirus won't kill, uh, destroy America, but socialism will. And the University of Chicago campus, erupted. Um, she became that girl that you're talking about, Mimi. And she had death threats. The university did not come to her defense at all. Um, in fact, they were placating the people who were, um, you know, saying they were victimized by her words. I mean, it was just really an incredible experience. Um, she was tough at first, and she was upset. She cried. She ended up writing an op-ed. And in the end, this made her stronger. But as you mentioned, I have nine kids, and they're all different, and they're all individuals, as you were talking about earlier. And that particular child had the personality, had the disposition, um, I think, to turn this into a strength, to turn this into a, a, a formative great moment for her. 
I don't think all of my kids would have had the same experience. I think, you know, for some of my children, just based on their personality and their level of sensitivity, um, it, it would have been absolutely devastating. Um, I think about this little girl, uh, Mimi, and you, you talk about the damage in her life. I think about the trauma. Um, I think the same thing with the Covington kid. Um, you know, these are traumatic moments um, when you are just a teenager and you are being shamed and singled out. And um, I, 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 and I just think it's, it's, it's too much for some kids to handle. Yeah. And it really has me worried. You know, the Covington kid, the difference in those two stories is the Covington kid did absolutely nothing wrong. He was simply destroyed by a fake news media narrative. Mimi admits to doing something wrong. She admits to a mistake. She has regrets about something she did when she was 15. You and I talked about this this morning. Look, you have nine kids. I'm sure you've been through this to some extent. As you described, I have two boys. And here's the the blunt truth. Kids are dumb. They're really dumb. They're going to get smart in the process of working their way through it, and there are going to be smart aspects to your kids, right? But they do dumb things. And the question is, are we so insecure that we're going to project our virtue and wield our muscle and our power? You asked that question this morning on Fox & Friends, and I agreed with you. This is a cheap exercise of unearned virtue and power over the mistakes of children. I'm telling you, Rachel, I think it's a really sick society. It always animated me in sports because I saw them do this over and over with sports figures. And it wasn't always race. It could have been somebody used a, um, a homophobic term or whatever. There were so many different kinds of examples. But it was, oh, boy, let's go see what he tweeted when he was 13. That was the response of adults in the room, you know, universities, reporters, the New York Times. And I'm just sickened by this cheap, unearned virtue and power. Yeah, you know, but you talk well about you know she made a mistake and she did she her her statement was 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 wonderful. However, I I I don't even know the rules anymore around that word. I mean, I don't use that word, but I'm not 15 listening to rap songs where it's okay. I mean, last night um, on Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens was on, and she's like, you know, uh, you know, there are uh, there are um, you know rap stars who use this all the time. One of them is. Um, Who's, uh, uh, why is her name escaping me? Um, the Hispanic woman who, Cardi B. who did that really vile video. Cardi B. Uh, I'm sorry? Cardi B. Cardi B. Thank you, very, thank you very much. I was lost her name for a second. So she's allowed to use it? I'm Hispanic. Am I allowed to use it? I mean, I, I, I just, I'm just trying to give this girl um, the leeway I think she deserves. I mean, I, I'm glad that she doesn't use that word. I don't want any of my children using that word. But I don't know if the rules are really clear. I'm in a I'm in a in a in a biracial marriage. Um, I always think it's weird that there's some things that I feel perfectly comfortable saying that my my husband, who's Irish American, can't say. Who makes these rules? And if she's 15, she hasn't learned all the intricacies of the rules that are that are being set up. And she was she was acting out in the culture. Right. Um, she learned a very very um, I think tough lesson from it. Um, but I, I I'm just worried that it it. it it's traumatic. Um, and like I said, the, the combination of social media and this woke culture um, and this vindictive culture that you're talking about, this power, you know, using right. power, using race um, as a way to wield power, um, using your so-called oppression um, as a way to wield power. Uh, it's just I, I just don't like any of it. And I think it's really damaging on kids. I think the easiest hard and fast rule is just never use it in any form. Never use that racial I slur. Think- 
Yeah. I agree. That, but 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 we should not also have it in these in these lyrics. I mean, I, I just I don't like any of this. I agree. You I agree know, with the that misogyny, as well. the word, all of it. Yeah. Rachel Campos Duffy here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. I've been hanging out with Rachel for several days now. I only have like a minute or two left in this segment before I have to hit a break. So this is going to be hard to do, but I really want to get you in on it. I'll have to explain it to the audience. This Hilaria Baldwin, Alaria Baldwin, Hillary Baldwin, whatever her name might be, story is fascinating. This is the wife of Alec Baldwin, who the long and short of the story, and I'll give you the nitty gritty and the dirt and the details in just a moment, essentially pretended to be Spanish for years in pursuance of her fame, Faked an accent, right, Rachel? Faked the inability to understand yeah. English words at times. And she is a yeah. white girl from Boston. It's honestly, it, if it, it's more funny, I think, than it is outrageous. But it is so absurd, Rachel. It is absurd. She is not Spanish. Um, obviously, she did it because she thought it would make her more interesting. But, you know, there are other examples where people use it to advance themselves. We see um, Elizabeth Warren, for example. I know the New York Post said that she used it to be more interesting. No, she didn't. She used it in order to get advance herself professionally at universities, which tend to give, um, you know, uh, more opportunities to people if they're minorities. And so there's, there's, there's a lot wrapped up in this and you talked you know you started this whole segment talking about race and seeing us as individuals and i just wish we would go back to that merit-based society where we could all just be our, be, be proud of who we are i heard this summer some friends of mine right during the middle of the blm uh riots saying that their their white kids had come home from college saying they were embarrassed to be white um and if you have kids in, in elementary school, you know that this melting pot idea where we're just all Americans and we, we meld together is not the case. They're now teaching the salad bowl mm. uh, where we celebrate and, and almost exclusively discuss our differences instead of what unites us as Americans. So it's a very big subject. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're taking it on because um, I think it's at the center, just as, as I know you think it is, at the center of so much in politics today. I think everything is downstream from this. If we can't look at each other as individuals, I don't know how we maintain freedom. I don't know how we have conversations. I'll tell you this. I've enjoyed my conversations with you over the last couple of days. It's been fun hanging out on Fox and Friends. Likewise. Um, you're going to keep doing it, right? You're still on Fox and Friends later this I week? Am. All right. I'm on, I'm on all week. Rachel Campos, <laughs> Duffy, more Fox and Friends this week. Check her out. Thank you for jumping on the Brian Kilmeade Show with me today, Rachel. Of course. Thanks, Will. All right. Take care. Again, it's Will Kane filling in for Brian. You can follow me on Twitter at Will Kane. You can join this conversation, 866-408-7669. I teased that sound or I hinted at that sound, that idea of Hilaria, Hillary, Alaria, Baldwin, pretending she didn't know an English word. I mean, again, she was born and raised in Boston. English is her first language. But on the Today Show, she say, how you say cucumber? You got to hear this. It's really funny. It's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. What's the most disruptive thing from a broad, mass, news cycle perspective to happen in your lifetime? If it's not this coronavirus pandemic and the corresponding government lockdowns, I'd love to hear 
what the most disruptive political news-driven story has been in your life. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can answer that question, by the way, at 866-408-7669. I bring that up because for the most disruptive thing in most of our lives, how few hard questions, curiosity-driven questions have been asked by your media. They've taken on the role of town crier. Just repeat the edicts of rulemakers in a louder voice. They haven't asked questions like this very important one. Why, in California, with the strictest lockdowns, are cases of coronavirus exploding? While in Florida, largely open, cases are lower. We're going to be exploring that coming up a little bit later here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Plus, you have to hear this video, this audio I just told you about of Alec Baldwin's wife, Hilaria Baldwin, Hillary Baldwin, pretending to be of Spanish heritage. She's not. And her only claim to Spanish heritage is vacation home. And you got to hear the sound of her on the Today Show pretending like she can't think of words in English. How you say? You have to hear this. It's great. I'll play that coming up as well on the Brian Kilmeade Show. But I want to hear from you. For now, as we're talking about this idea of counterculture or cancel culture and canceling children for their mistakes. Let's start with Mary on WVMT. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Mary. Hey, Wells. Great job. Um, I remember when the culture, uh, the cancel culture crap started. Um, it was when uh, Joe the plumber asked a critical question of Obama, and then it happened from there and snowballed. But you, as a lawyer, will think it through. A 15-year-old child cannot be charged as an adult until they're 18. And, they, and committing the, you know, the alleged crime at 18, you can be charged as an adult. So the court records are sealed of anything that happens uh, involving a child under the age of 18. So I think similarly, this should happen, uh, that anything that happened under the age of 18, uh, you know, outside of a crime, but anything that you say should not be held against you. you. I think that whoever is doxing this person should be the one guilty of charges. Yes, Mary. Great call. Great position. How about we just exercise a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of judgment, a little bit of sensibility, That might not be too hard, right? We don't even need to put hard and fast rules about, you know, your record in 18 and making comparisons to the criminal. How about we just be decent human beings with each other? That might work. More Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane coming up. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want, truth that you need. How about when it comes to lockdowns? How about when it comes to the most disruptive things in our lives? Are they backed by science? That's coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Will Kane. I hosted a radio show in sports media for several years, worked for ESPN, was in politics before that. Happy to rejoin the Fox family, working on Fox and Friends and filling in for Brian here today. I'm going to get to California versus Florida in just a moment. I'm going to listen to you, hear from you at 866-408-7669 on this proliferation of cancel culture and putting the boot heel of society down on the mistakes of teenagers. Let me go to Steve in Wichita Falls. What's up, Steve? Uh, it's good to be with you. Um, you know, I think 
one thing I, I notice about people and attitudes is that people are just sensitive anymore. Uh, every little thing gets to them. It's personal. Um, you know, too many opinions, I think, get thrown around, too. Um, people love to voice their opinions. And my father always said opinions were like rear ends. Everybody's got one, and most of them stink. It's but, a good one. It's uh, a good one, Steve, and it's a, it's a, it's one that stands the test of time. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I think that's happening. Why people are getting so sensitive. Why they're offended at everything because it's power. It's a way to shut people up. And you ever notice that people that are so sensitive? I mean, honestly, even in our personal lives, you ever notice that? Like, oh, so and so is coming over tonight. He's sensitive. Be careful. All of a sudden, you're on your heels. You're on defense. You're being inauthentic in some way because their sensitivity is dictating the situation. It's power. Being offended, being a victim, it's a way to control other people. Brian's listening on WABC. What's up, Brian? You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. All right. Good morning and good afternoon, America. And this topic is a hot topic, but here, here it goes. The more you give in, the bigger the appetite will get. I have a term for this. I call it economic uh, terrorism, where you can take somebody who said two or three words when they were 12 years old and tell them, no, you can't go to college. You can't get a promotion. And it's just a pot of gold. They're going to use this. It's a racial thing, obviously, because every time you hear something down, they want to go after somebody. There's a woman in New York City now with the cell phone, with the kid, and they're going on and on. They're not worried about mass murderers or nothing. That doesn't bother them. But with some two or three words somebody says, they want to hang them at high noon. This is this is wrong. This is not America, folks. And it's just getting bigger and bigger, and it mm-hmm. will not get any smaller because this is a power trip. This is a big power trip. As smart as you are, with all the degrees you got and how smart and clever you are, how good you sound, you say two or three wrong words, dude, and you're going to be living in the poorhouse and you'll be on the soup line. All right? That's not right. That's not America, folks. This is Stalin's gulag we're living in now. And I'd like to have some follow-ups. I'll take some calls from the other listeners and stuff they want. <laughs> I'm to I'm willing, listen, listen to me, my man. I'm going to give you my credentials. I was a young Quickly. dude. I was with Pat Buchanan from the beginning, my man. Yeah. The culture speech, 92. I was 17 years old. Yeah. Well, listen here, Brian. Here's what I think. I think you're right. It only takes a word or two wrong, and I'm supposedly supposed to get canceled, but I'm not going to go throughout my life like that. You're absolutely right. You can't give in. You can't give a single inch because it's a power trip. I've been never more disappointed than the backbone of corporate America over the last nine minutes, months. They have absolutely shown themselves to be spineless, giving in at every, every angle to the demands of the offended. We're going to have to know what is right and wrong and stand up to it. And I will, by the way, Brian. That's what I've told myself. I'm going to say what I say. I know what I believe. I know what's in my heart and what's in my head, and I know what I will say. I cannot control what the reaction is. And it's going to be up to my bosses and me to stand up to it and keep saying what I think is true and right and knowing I didn't make a mistake or apologizing if I did, but not continuously giving in to the power-seeking offended Doug in North Dakota. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm just going to look at everything. I look at everything biblically, scripturally, and Satan's the accuser of the brethren. And Jesus said, he without sin, let him cast the first stone. And I think that people have no forgiveness. They're cruel and crass. And they think that because what they believe is justified by their actions. And I think it's time for America to bless God. Well, I think that's a really 
strong and appropriate and righteous sentiment, Doug. I appreciate that. I think the the underlying message is why don't we do a little more inward looking and less outward looking? Why don't we focus on ourselves and improving us instead of trying to improve the other person through our destruction or virtue signaling of them? Let me move on, if I might. You know, I said I'd never been more disappointed than in corporate America, but that's not true necessarily. I managed to still somehow muster some disappointment in what the media has become. It's become the town crier. Its job really is only to repeat the edicts of rule makers in a louder voice. You know, cup their hands and just repeat the government lockdown and mandates without asking questions, without critically thinking about it. Just say it louder. Put on your mask. Shut down your business. That's the job of the media. Do you remember Saturday Night Live in the 70s? You know how when you watch press conferences with government officials, they always have a sign language interpreter off to the side for, obviously, the hearing impaired. Well, Saturday Night Live had a news for the hard of hearing. Instead of a sign language interpreter, they had someone come out and improve or translate the news for those who are not deaf but simply having a hard time hearing the news. This is what that Saturday Night Live sounded like, skit sounded like in the 1970s. Our top story tonight. Our top story tonight. is still dead. Good night and have a pleasant Good night tomorrow. and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> There's your news for the hard of hearing. The funny thing is, that's your news generally today. Dr. Anthony Fauci says you get herd immunity at 60%, and CNN yells, you get herd immunity at 60%. Put on your mask. Fauci shifts that to 70%, then 75%, then 80%, and it's just repeated, never questioning whether or not or why the line has been moved. Fauci starts out telling you, you know, you don't need a mask. Of course, now, of course, it's the biggest edict in all of science, wear a mask. Repeated, much louder. By your media. So you'll be forgiven, I guess, if you don't know this, because it probably hasn't been repeated by your rule makers and therefore your media. Did you know that California, with some of the strictest lockdowns in this country, I mean, businesses just dying left and right, is absolutely exploding when it comes to coronavirus cases? Huh. Doesn't seem like lockdowns are working. Meanwhile, Florida is largely open. And if you look at a graph of case numbers, Florida and California, even adjusted for population and population density, Florida doing much better than California. So let me get this straight. Lockdowns in California, exploding cases, open in Florida, lower cases. Now, I I know sometimes I can be preachy. It's one of the things in self-awareness I try to recognize in myself, but I'm not a genius. I... Uh, you know, I mean, you may say so. I don't say so. You know, I would never say so. But I understand that's a correlation. Shouldn't it be one that raises some hard questions? Shouldn't it be one that makes us question our edicts, our mandates, our rule makers? Shouldn't it make us question the most disruptive government edict in our lifetime? Shut down. Shut down what you are doing. Lockdowns. Do they work? Well, here's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. He's a medicine. He's a medicinal expert. He is a professor of medicine at Stanford, in fact. And this is what he said about the effectiveness of lockdowns. 
Lockdowns are not a tool to eradicate the disease. At best, what they do is push the cases into the future, and California is reaping the whirlwind of that policy. For nine months, we've been in lockdown. We've had schools closed, businesses closed, churches silent, uh, private gatherings outlawed, travel restricted, and yet you can see the cases are still growing very, very sharply in California. There's a scientist, there's a medical expert telling us lockdowns don't work. Has that been repeated? by our news for the hard of hearing? Has that been repeated by CNN at a louder voice? Are we allowed to know about this? I've referenced that Saturday Night Live skit a couple times. Here's another one for you. Remember Will Farrell? Do you remember when he, um, he did this bit on Saturday Night Live where they, they played the Blue Oyster Band? I believe that's the name of that band they were impersonating. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it's the one that obviously employs a cowbell. And Christopher Walken keeps walking in as Will Ferrell plays the cowbell instrumentalist in the band. And he keeps saying, I need more cowbell. No matter how much cowbell Will Ferrell rings, Walken is the producer, says, more cowbell. I got a fever. And the answer for the fever is more cowbell. Well, when it comes to lockdowns, Governor Gavin Newsom says, see, the real problem here on why we have exploding cases is more cowbell. We need more lockdowns. Here's Gavin Newsom. I think some lazily say, well, those interventions went in place and it didn't work. I, I, I completely reject that. And I suggest that there is evidence they have worked substantially so. And that's encouraging. And I think that's certainly the case as it relates to these plateaus. It's Blue Oyster Cult, by the way, in that skit and the song they're putting in or they're cutting is don't fear the reaper there's gavin newsom more cowbell more cowbell please see if we hadn't done lockdowns numbers would be higher maybe we should lock down some more are we allowed to know or do we just get science yelled unthinkingly in our faces are we allowed to ask questions are we allowed to understand the most disruptive thing in our lives and try to get a better handle on this can we listen to people like dr day Bhattacharya telling us maybe we can be a little more targeted. Maybe we don't have to take everything Dr. Anthony Fauci says as gospel. Maybe our media can do more than just shout our news in a louder voice. I don't know. I could be wrong. I've teased it several times here for you throughout the show. You got to hear this sound from Hilaria Hillary Baldwin. Born and raised in Boston, Alec Baldwin's wife pretended to be Spanish for years. She did have a vacation home in Spain, so she got that going for her. But would having a vacation home in Spain cause her to forget how to say words in English? Stick with me because you got to hear the sound of Hillary Baldwin pretending to not know English. That's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. And the only prescription is more cowbell. 
There's that Saturday Night Live skit I was referencing a little bit earlier. More cowbell. That's the Democrats' response when it comes to lockdowns. More cowbell. More lockdowns. Coincidentally, it's also their response when it comes to taxes and redistribution of wealth. The reason that the left's ideology of socialism hasn't worked is because it's not been employed enough. More cowbell. More redistribution, more lockdowns. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can catch me on Fox and Friends 6 to 10 every Saturday and Sunday morning on Twitter at Will Kane, on Instagram at C Will Kane, as in the letter C. I've been promising you throughout the show today that you got to hear this audio. The story's a little bit complicated, but maybe not that difficult. It's the wife of Alec Baldwin. It's this. I don't know how important, but growing rabbit hole, deep dive controversy where for years she has pretended to be Spanish, as in from Spain, when actually she's from the Northeast. And I'm talking about both of her parents, both of her parental and maternal grandparent lineage from the Northeast. But that hadn't stopped her from pretending that she's from Spain for whatever reason. And maybe this is why the story becomes important because the reason is she's seeking fame, advantage. She's seeking something, I guess, that she thinks is more interesting than her own heritage, which is own sad commentary on individualism. But she's pretending to be something she's not. So much so that she, on the Today Show, by the way, has had a waxing and waning fake Spanish accent from time to time throughout her career. But this has to be the cherry on top. This is the topper. This is, again, born and raised, Boston area, Massachusetts, native English speaker, on the Today Show, forgetting a few common words in English. Listen to Hilaria Baldwin, Alec Baldwin's wife, on the Today Show. We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say it? Cucumber? Cucumbers. <laughs> How do you say how do you say in English? cucumbers? Yes, of course. You probably forgot that word or didn't run across it in your 19 years or whatever it may be growing up in Boston. Now she did have a familial vacation home in Spain. So, I don't know where you get away to, you know. Do do you get away to Branson? Do you adopt the Missouri accent? I don't know. I don't know what happens when vacation homes, you know, you have that dual lifestyle. Here's why I think it's more than just funny. We have this in ongoing conversation. It's ridiculous, by the way, about cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is not a problem. Cultural appropriation is a compliment. When America's melting pot adopts various aspects, the best, by the way, usually, of other cultures, it's flattering. When you grow up in Texas loving Mexican food or incorporating it into your lifestyle, it's flattering. That's what America is. America is an amalgamation of cultures, moored, by the way, by values and principles that go back to its founding. So cultural appropriation is a bunch of nonsense. It's not offensive. It's flattering. But what Larry Baldwin did is something different. Flat-out lie. Fraud. That's different than cultural appropriation. Adele in Texas. You're on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Cain. Thank you for taking my call, Will. I just want to tell you that the pronunciation of the name is Iladia. Thank you, Adele. The fake name, for what it's worth, right? It's Hillary, then Hilaria, then Ilaria. But you're right. Right. I guess if I was appropriately pronouncing a fake name, it would be Ilaria. Ilaria. They they don't like us. The the movie stars don't really like us, but yet 
uh, she's taking on an identity that doesn't belong to her, you know? I don't get it. I don't get it sometimes. I'm a Latina. I speak both languages, and uh, but I grew up in America. I'm an American. My parents were Americans. And, and uh, it's, sometimes it's very disheartening when you meet a racist person that doesn't like us because of our skin color. You know, it's very, very disheartening, and they don't even know us. I'm sure they don't is. even take time to even know our name. For someone no, not to look two. at you as an individual. And that's one of the things I've been hammering on. Hey, just out of curiosity, Adele, I have to ask, how do you say cucumber in Spanish? Uh, pepinos. Pepinos. So that's what Elaria was uh, pretending to want to revert to instinctually. Pepinos. How do you say uh-huh. in English? Oh, cucumbers. <laughs> uh-huh. The pickles. You know, uh, right. cucumbers are converted into pickles. That's the whole name, right. uh, you know, of, uh, of a cucumber. Right. All right, Adele, I appreciate your call. Um, I hear you. If we could all just look at each other as individuals, we'd be much better. Character, merit, action, not group color, group skin color, group identity. Human beings, men, women. I think that's got to be the goal. All right, coming up in the final hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane, let's check in back in with Congress. Will they pass those increased COVID relief checks from $600 to $2,000? Cucumber. Cucumbers. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. I truly believe we're in the ideological fight of our lifetime. I truly believe that if we can't proceed forward in this country without seeing each other as individuals, I truly believe that if the left is going to fully embrace socialism, that we're in a fight to the core. So Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. It's the reason that I left something I love dearly, which is sports. For five years, I worked for ESPN, had a sports talk radio show every day. And I love sports. I love debating the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I love convincing everyone that Dak Prescott was and is better than Carson Wentz. But you have to set that aside when the country is heading in a direction where basic American principles and values are being questioned. Where at the core, not just of our constitution and our form of government, but our ideology, we are starting to leave behind what founded this country, then you're in the ideological fight of your lifetime. And the battleground for that fight right now is the state of Georgia. The state of Georgia's Senate runoff is next week. I'll go down for Fox and Friends a little bit later this week, be there in Georgia from diners and doing Fox and Friends in Georgia in the coming weeks. But the race is between John Ossoff and David Perdue. Senator Kelly Leffler and Raphael Warnock represent that ideological fight of our lifetime because the agenda that the Democrats have promised, should they control the House, the White House, and the Senate, is nothing short of radical. But how many of those agenda items are realistic? What could they get past even if they controlled both houses of the legislature and the executive branch? I know someone that might be able to answer that question, and that's the host of the 11 o'clock hour on Fox News. It's Shannon Bream here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane filling in. Hi, Shannon. Will, it is great to meet you, even if it's just over the radio, a virtual meeting. This is the first time we've ever talked. I'm excited to do so. I'm a fan of your work, and I do think you're the right person um, to help me answer that question. So, look, throughout the presidential election, we heard about 
Joe Biden, the far left's agenda in many ways. One that I know you're really plugged in on is the desire from many on the left to pack the Supreme Court. And no matter how many times they try to redefine what that means, what it means, I don't care what Webster's or Dictionary.com says, what it means is increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court, the same way that Franklin Delano Roosevelt used that term. Packing the Supreme Court is something they said they want to do. Do you believe if Warnock and Ossoff win those seats in Georgia, and Democrats have the Senate, the House, and the presidency. That's a realistic, top-of-the-agenda item list for Democrats? I think certainly there's a big part of the party that is going to push for that and say, like, listen, there's nothing to stop us now. We've got control of both houses of Congress, the White House. We can really get some stuff done. Although we have seen in the past when either party has all of those three things at their disposal and in their control – they don't always get everything they want um, because they even within their own party, there are members like in this case, Senator Joe Manchin, a very moderate out of um, Democrat, Democrat out of West Virginia, has said, whoa, 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 don't count on me to be the 51st vote on some of these really far left things. Um, he's made that clear. So you got to corral all your cats and keep them together. It seems like Democrats are better at doing that in many cases than Republicans. But even here, you have some more moderate Democrats who are like, Maybe not. And that's why there's been speculation that Joe Biden may actually be more comfortable if Republicans hold on to the Senate, because then he'll have a real reason, a real excuse for not being able to get some of the, the more progressive far left items through Capitol Hill, because he say, well, he'll say we simply don't have the numbers. If they have the numbers, then he's going to face a lot more pressure by the far left wing of his party to press some of this stuff through. Shannon Bream here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Shannon. So, Shannon, as you're talking, I was listening, but I was also writing down. I was trying to remember every single thing that sort of was promised, the agenda, the, 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 um, the list, the, the action items for the left, should they control everything. So I have increased taxes. Joe Biden's talked about increasing income taxes and estate taxes, said very clearly that would be towards the top of his list, taking the top rate up to almost 40 percent. Of course, we just talked about packing the court. Um, Obamacare, health care, immigration. He talks a lot about climate change. You're right. You don't get everything, right? You don't get to do everything even if you control everything. I look back to the Obama administration when they had control, Democrats had control, and they prioritized health care. And they they shoved through Obamacare when they did that. And I know this is speculation, but as in the case with you, it's informed speculation. What do you think goes to the top? Like, what would they try to do first if they did manage to get those seats in Georgia? You know what I think would be a potential priority for them is statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, because that pays massive dividends for them. Um, If they would uh, achieve statehood, then they each would get two senators, like all of our states, as our Constitution and our founders provided for. But a lot of folks believe and listen, having lived in D.C. for 15 years, um, you're not going to get a Republican for um, for either of those senators. That's going to be an automatic two Democratic senators. I think you'd have more of a fight in Puerto Rico. Um, but for them, at least at this moment in time, they're probably going to see if we get statehood for those two entities, that is um, two, maybe four Democratic senators added to the tally for us. And then that really opens up the possibilities of all other kinds of things that you could get done. So I think um, there's a lot of agitation within the Democratic Party, certainly the more progressive wing, to get statehood for those two um, U.S. territories or or districts and uh, add some seats to the Senate that will almost certainly be Democrat for the foreseeable future. Shannon, that is huge. 
That is a mm-hmm. massive thing to go for. Statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. And what it shows, at least in the short term, is if the Democrats have power, what their interest is is not in improving the lives of everyday Americans or even really executing in the short term a progressive ideology, but rather consolidating power, making sure they mm-hmm. control everything for the long term. Because as you say, if they have four more Senate seats, assuming Puerto Rico and D.C. elect two Democratic senators, then there's nothing to stop them on this entire item, this entire action list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- yeah. th- that makes it- so many Republicans, Shannon, so, you know, it validates all of their their fears that shouldn't be called paranoia. You know, whether or not that's illegal immigrants and, 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 and pathways to citizenship and, and increasing the number of people that would vote, presumably, that's I think that's the Democratic presumption, on the left or whatever it may be, suppressing dissent, it shows that the real action item is control, more power. Yeah, I mean, because if you if you pull that off, um, you know, changing statehood uh, or achieving statehood for those two entities, it really does open up the possibilities for so many other things. So it's kind of like if you're going to go for it and do something that's going to upset a lot of people and be controversial and you want to spend your political capital, if you're Democrats, if you're progressives, you spend it there because that is going to bear fruit for you and um, pay dividends for a long time down the road. So it's the one thing that they could do if they jammed it through that would actually pay off for them the most down the road. I talked about this being the ideological fight of our lifetime. That's the political fight right there. That's the whole ball of wax. I mean, that that right there would change the entire game down to its foundation. Shannon Bream here on the Brian mm-hmm. Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. So, Shannon, how long have you been with Fox? How long have you been doing this? Oh, my goodness. Um, I should know this, right? Um, <laughs> I want to say 13, 14 years. Okay. Um, you know, hired to, to cover the Supreme Court and uh, have done all kinds of things and sort of been a little bit of a utility player during that time. And um, so I've seen a lot over that's those That's what years. we do. That's a what... grizzled old veteran, Will. <laughs> well, that's what we do. You're, that's what I'm doing right now, being a utility player. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this 10 years, I'd say, and obviously just like five months at, at Fox News. Um, I don't think you have to be in this business to to have a particular interest in this type of story. You just have to be an everyday mm-hmm. American who believes in the Constitution, but free speech. You know, it's near and dear to all of our hearts, and free speech Absolutely. can be inhibited in so many different ways, and one of the ways is through, you know, of course censorship, but also like lawsuits, getting sued for things mm-hmm. you say. So I think I, and I'm sure you, look at suits over libel, slander, all that stuff with a very judgmental, skeptical eye. Let's be sure, right, because we don't want to squelch speech. That brings me to this story. It's a big wind-up to ask you about this this computer store owner that got hold of the Hunter Biden laptop. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was the guy that essentially had what we assume or speculated that Hunter Biden brought in to hawk or have his, his laptop fixed, never came back. This guy held it and ended up taking possession of it. I think legal possession as well when somebody leaves something for that long and then looked through the contents and found what we know now know of the FBI's investigating this stuff with Hunter Biden. Well, you know, censorship in this case came in the form of big tech suppressing that story. And along the way, they called him a hacker. They said, we're not going to disseminate this information because we don't allow the dissemination of hacked materials. He's not a hacker. He owned that material. Mm-hmm. And he's now suing Twitter for defamation, for calling him a hacker. What do you think about that case? I think it's fascinating when I saw this this morning because I love how these uh, outlets will say, we don't publish things X, Y, Z. Meanwhile, the New York Times has published uh, information on the president's taxes and tax returns. 
um, information that most certainly, almost certainly was not gained legally. I mean, there are actually statutes that make it a crime to not only get information that you don't have legal access to, but to publish it. So it's very hard for me to see these entities um, making claims like, well, you we can't publish it because it's a non-story or attacked, or we don't know about the origins of the material. Meanwhile, some of these same groups and entities have published material they know was gotten illegally. So mm -hmm. I think this is a very interesting case, and I, it was bound to happen. I mean, you'll have to see um, the jurisdiction, which a judge it lands before, um, that kind of thing always has a big influence on how this plays out. But I think it's a really important question. And when you have groups that have so much control, like social media giants, um, I think these lawsuits are bound to happen where somebody's going to come forward and say, um, you know, listen, if you're going to be a platform, if you're going to serve as a public forum, you may be treated differently than the law currently treats, which is, you know, been the president, one of his big um, issues and why he doesn't want the National Defense uh, Authorization Bill signed uh, because he wanted to rip out the Section 270 or 230 protection, which gives a lot of protection to these social media platforms that say, you know, we're just putting information out there, you know, we're not the same as a publisher, that kind of thing. Um, so it sparks a lot of questions, but I think also we'll learn so much more about that man, about these laptops, about the case, because if you're proceeding in court, there's going to be discovery, there's going to be information. So mm -hmm. I think it's a fascinating question, and the case itself is going to unearth, I think, a lot more material. And we still have so many questions. We don't know exactly what went on and so many things about Hunter Biden. We know there are federal investigations, and we'll have to see how they play out, but this may unearth other information too, possibly. And what do you do, Shannon, to get your reputation back when your name is sullied? You know, there was that famous saying, mm -hmm. it was a New York politician, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I always loved his line. Which department is it I go to to get my reputation back after mm -hmm. you're cleared of something? So even though this is a potential check on free speech, these media companies that quite honestly lie about you have to have you held accountable in some forum. You, talk, you pointed out the hypocrisy, which is obvious. It's true, right? They're hypocritical on when and when they will not use information from different sources. But beyond that, do they pay a price? You know, the Covington, um, the Covington mm -hmm. student sued CNN and, and others and, and settled with undisclosed sum. We're not sure how much he got. But that's, that's a, in essence, his only recourse to get his reputation back. And I think, I suspect, and I think you're a bigger legal expert than I am. I, I did go to law school, but I've left it far behind. Um, the, um, I think there's something to this. You can't call someone a hacker when the facts do not back it up. Yeah. And I also think we may get to questions of suppression of information too. Um, because I think that it's interesting to look at the numbers now of people who say, Ooh, had I known these stories about Hunter Biden, there were questions about Joe Biden and we don't know where they're going to lead, but at least that there was something there. I may have voted differently. And yes. so you have to look at the role that social media plays, the mainstream media plays, and actually uh, informing and directing people's votes. And so I think all of that conversation is going to be very interesting in this case. But, yes, if you say somebody is a liar, is a hacker, uh, and they have evidence otherwise, and they're essentially you know, a private citizen until that moment they're thrust into the light because of this whole thing – I can't wait to see how it's handled and, and what you, happens with this guy. Yep, and um, you should. You know, you, it's not a guaranteed winning case, but I think it's going to provoke a lot of interesting legal discussion. If you lie, you should be held liable. Exactly. She's the anchor of Fox News at night. She's also our chief legal correspondent, Shannon Bream, here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Shannon, it's great to virtually or whatever we call this over the lines <laughs> meet you. I can't wait to meet you in person. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Same. And listen, anytime you want to talk college football, <laughs> I'm your girl. Oh, really? What is your team? So. 
Well, I've got a couple. I said I went to Liberty. So they're having a good year. They're mm-hmm. having a fantastic year. Just beat Coastal in the Cure Bowl. Um, so we're feeling really good about that. Right. Um, but Florida State is the team I grew up with, and we're in a rebuilding season. So Seasons. I'll forgive you. I have very strong <laughs> opinions. I, I'll forgive you. I have very strong opinions about this. Like I believe you're born to your teams or you're, you're assigned them from your college, oh. but, but you oh, went to oh. Liberty. Um, that gives I you did. something to root for. Um, Absolutely. I went to Texas for law school. So that's my team. My undergraduate doesn't have a football team. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you either your dad or your mom brainwashes you. That's okay. Or you're born to your geographic <laughs> team or you went to the school. That's how it's got to work. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Tallahassee. Both my parents went there. So I grew up with Seminole for sure. And I'm That's never good. abandoning them. But <laughs> I did go to school at Liberty. So I feel fully within my rights to be all excited and on their bandwagon this year. All right. We'll talk more college football next time we see each other. Shannon, thank you. See you, Will. Take care. I think one of the biggest threats to this country in the next couple of years is China. China has made it so that there is nothing in this country, nothing produced, that we can get by with without their cooperation. We're vulnerable to the Chinese supply chain, their involvement in our supply chain every step of the way, from prom dresses even to our weapons. Is Joe Biden and, by the way, his son, again, who's under investigation for overseas ties, capable of addressing the growing threat of China? That's next on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can catch me on Fox and Friends 6 to 10 Eastern Time on Saturday and Sunday mornings. You can catch me on social media a little. I don't use it much. I find it to be a negative cesspool, but I'm kind of thinking making it my New Year's resolution to re-engage on social media. I don't know. Twitter, at Will Kane. Instagram, C. Will Kane. Coming up in the final half hour of today's show, we've talked about the story of Mimi Groves, the teenager that was canceled for something she said when she was 15, her college admission yanked away her future destroyed it's all driven out of an ideology called critical race theory and it's absolutely proliferated throughout our society i'm talking academia business human relations departments corporations pop culture sports critical race theory is everywhere odds are it's touching your life in many many different ways you probably know that maybe you don't also because it can be insidious a little bit later in the show i want to talk about just how far this ideology of looking people as groups, as shallow characteristics, as identity politics, has made its way through America. But first, I want to talk about the growing threat of China. Listen to this clip really quickly from Lucas Kuntz of the, I believe, American Liberties Project on how far China's gone into controlling our economy. We had discovered during those hearings, the people that came up and testified, I mean, we can't make prom dresses here. We can't make Bibles here. We can't make the ink that goes into the dollar bill here. Uh, for defense, we can't make most of our major end items, weapon systems, uh, without some components or resources coming from China. So China has strategically captured our entire supply chain, and, um, and it makes us vulnerable, and it hurts American workers, too. Captured our supply chain from prom dresses to weapon systems. The Threat of China, next on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends on Saturday and Sunday mornings or on social media at Will Kane and see Will Kane. That's Twitter and Instagram. The story of the day that we have been talking about is the story of a young lady who at the age of 15 said something inappropriate, wrong. She used a racial slur, and for that she was canceled. She was Taken away from the college of her dreams, lost her chance to be a cheerleader at the University of Tennessee. Her video that she cut when she was a freshman in high school was held, released, upwards of a year later by a fellow student, to give maximum damage, maximum impact on her future prospects. And of course, now that's been glorified, that entire incident by the New York Times and the weaklings at the University of Tennessee, the spineless, caved to the outraged, offended mob and gave in, taking this young lady's future away. The underpinning of that entire cancel culture, at least when it comes to race, is critical race theory. And it's proliferated every aspect of our society, from academia to pop culture, from sports media to the sports industry. How far has it gone? How many human relations departments? How far has it gone in corporate America? How many different ways is it touching your lives? That's coming up in just a moment here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. But first, I left you with this. One of the biggest threats over the next four years and beyond to this country is the growing threat of China. It can't be mistaken. They're not a competitor. They are an adversary. They see economics as a zero-sum game. There's winners and losers, and make no mistake, China intends to be a winner. They've infiltrated our government, placed spies next to congressmen. They've infiltrated academia. They've potentially alleged now being investigated, compromised Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. And they have captured our supply chain. So says at least one expert out there whose sound we just played. Lucas Kuntz has said everything from prom dresses to even our weapon systems. China has integrated itself, made us vulnerable to their control. My next guest is Harry Kazianis, the senior director at the Center for National Interest. And he's here to tell us a little bit more about China's control of our supply chain. Harry, I find this terrifying. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic when we first started looking around at our pharmaceuticals, our therapeutics, everything we needed to kind of get through a pandemic. We recognized how dependent upon China we were. Recognize that if they shut down any of those needed supplies at that given moment in an emergency crisis like that, they could. They could compromise us in a moment. But it's not just pharmaceuticals. It's everything. Is that right, Harry? No, it's absolutely true. And hi there. Yeah, I mean, let me give you a real-world example of how this touches our daily lives in ways that we don't even think. A lot of people, I'll, I'll bet, this Christmas got a TV from a company called TCL. It's actually the second biggest seller of TVs in the United States. They make beautiful, high-definition 4K displays. They're amazing. Here's the challenge. TCL is actually partially owned and subsidized by the Chinese Communist Party. So when you buy their TVs, friends, you are literally putting money in Beijing's hands. Now, what's worse 
is there's been actually a discovery by, by some researchers out there that found out that there's been a secret backdoor put in these TVs if you have an Android-based TV. In other words, the operating system that actually controls the TV and gives you all your Netflix and all that stuff. So there are people who are worried that, that China now could use these TVs for, we'll just say, some nefarious purposes. And when you sort of sketch that out, we have a lot of products in this country that have electronics, you know, those micro boards that are built in from, from China, motherboards, semiconductors, CPUs, all those things. You have to start wondering how far the Chinese Communist Party would go to gain an advantage. And there actually is a law in the book that says Chinese companies have to help the Chinese Communist Party in times of crisis. And don't think for a second they wouldn't use that law to their advantage. So we have some clear problems here. Yeah, absolutely. The mistake we can't make, first of all, is to assume that Chinese companies are operating in a free market and they're purely private enterprises, right? So when there's allegations that Hunter Biden's involved in a Chinese private equity firm or private equity-involved company in China, it is by proxy in some way connected to the Chinese Communist Party. Therefore, any product, as you lay out, is subject to to not just the whims, right, but the ideology of the Chinese Communist Party. But take me beyond that. You talked about TVs. I mean, you know what really terrifies me is when I hear somebody say even our weapon systems can be compromised by the Chinese. Well, here's the problem with that. A lot of our a little bit older weapon systems, you know, go back five, ten years, have a lot of, of motherboards, again, semiconductors, pieces of memory, all different types of electronics that have foundations that are built in with the Chinese equipment. Now, the United States military isn't going to be able to go through and start ripping apart its, its fighter jets and pieces of, of, of naval warfare technology to sort of root those parts out. It basically can't. So, so we have an ongoing problem when it comes to all of these different pieces of technology that are built in not only to our military but consumer products. And it, it really is the consumer products I'm more worried about than anything else. I mean, think about our wireless routers that we all use every day. I mean, we're all stuck home, you know, during the pandemic. I mean, a lot of these pieces of equipment are made in China, hey, created by Chinese companies. Harry, when it comes problem. when it comes to stuff like routers, and I'm just I'm just interrupting you because you're sparking so much curiosity for me here. When you talk about things like routers, I want to I want to correlate that over to the conversation about. China controlling TikTok as well, right? Again, Harry Kazian is here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, Will Kane filling in, talking about the growing threat of China. So when you first hear that story, you're like, okay, TikTok, it's, it seems innocuous. I mean, it's, it's, it's fluff in our society, right? So what's the, what does it matter if the Chinese are involved in TikTok? What can the Chinese do with access to our routers? You brought up televisions. What can the Chinese do with backdoors into our consumer electronics? What should we be worried about that they can actually use this access for? Well, the thing is, in, in the 21st century, well, data is the new oil. It is the new natural resource. Being able to pull all of these different data points together, it, the, the Chinese, at least in theory, I, I don't want to conspiracize here, but at least in theory, if the Chinese were able to take all of these different points of data, they're able to develop profiles of people. They're, they're able to develop you know, all sorts of different types of intelligence capabilities about our wants, needs, feelings, ideas. In a lot of ways, in what Google and in, in other companies do, Facebook, building user profiles, doing it to sell products, doing it for a good thing, the Chinese can just do it for the opposite, to do nefarious things, to build up intelligence assets, who to target, who not to target. You know, th these are the problems we have here. And, and I really think that the challenge here is, is if you go back a couple of years ago during the Obama administration, when China hacked the Office of Management and Budget and stole something like 
20 million different profiles of people who are applying for security clearances and had all different types of, of, of government work that they were doing, the Chinese were allowed to get away with that. And I really feel, Will, that, that because of that huge national security crisis that nobody really even talked about, the Chinese kept going further and further and further. And when they're able to get all of this data, I mean, we're worried about Google, we're worried mm -hmm. about Facebook. We need to worry about China because they're pulling all of this in together. And if they were able to pull it all together, we have a serious problem on our hands that we're not even really. Thinking yeah, you about. know what's funny that they, you know, when you're sitting around with your buddies and trust me, this conversation has happened. And you're having those beers. And you're talking about well, they, they, they see everything. They be careful what your search history is or your phone, or they see it. I think sometimes we assume that means like our government, right? Some kind of or our big corporations like Google. They are the they. But you're pointing out no, the they could actually be the Chinese Communist Party that's getting all that information on you. So let me ask you one last question, Harry Kaziana is here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Do you remember back? So this would have been 2012, the presidential debate between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And I think they were talking about what's the biggest global threat or the biggest existential threat to the United States. And Mitt Romney said Russia. And then Barack Obama said, hey, the 1980s called and they want their foreign policy back. And that, I mean, it's absurd to think about that. And then a few years later, the Democratic Party is just Russia obsessed. But I want to ask you that same question that was asked of those two presidential candidates at the time. Is there any doubt that China is number one on that list when it comes to biggest threats to the United States of America? There is absolutely no doubt that China is the greatest threat that actually, I'll be honest with you, I think this country has ever faced. I mean, a lot of people would say, oh, it's the Soviet Union. Here's the thing. China is completely integrated with the global economy. I mean, we have something like a, a $600 billion bilateral trade relationship with China. In some respects, you know, we're not going to be able to completely decouple from them economically. And it's a problem that we're going to have to manage. And, and I think actually the biggest threat that doesn't get enough really consideration, Will, is the threat the Chinese military has. I mean, they're building missiles. I mean, you could Google this. Google the DF-21D. It's called the Carrier Killer Missile. The Chinese, that, that is just an example of some of the things the Chinese are doing to custom tailor their military to fight us in a conflict. Now, I think both sides hope that day never comes, but in case it does, the Chinese want to be ready to take out a lot of our weaknesses. And these are things that we have to consider. And I hope Joe Biden is considering, because Donald Trump really beat the drum on this issue and did a good job making the American people aware of this fact. Harry Casiana, Senior Director at the Center for the National Interest. Thanks so much for your time, Harry. Thanks, Will. You bet. Not North Korea, not Iran, not even the former Soviet Union. Harry said the biggest number one threat without a doubt, not just now but in American history, is China. I do agree that Donald Trump did a very good job of repositioning the United States and much of our mindsets on realizing that China is not just a competitor, certainly not just a trade partner, but an adversary. Is Joe Biden capable of viewing that very real threat on the same terms? It's the Brian Kilmeade Show here on Fox News Radio. Will Cain filling in for Brian Kilmeade. One of the biggest internal threats to this republic, to this country, to American values and ideals, is the threat to seeing each other as individuals. It's this cancel culture, as exhibited in the story of Mimi Groves, the young lady canceled from her admission to the University of Tennessee, from something she put out when she was 15. But the underlying ideology, the one that drives, for example, Black Lives Matter, is a concept called critical race theory. It's one that just, not just encourages, but requires you to look at your fellow human being through the prism of their race, their group identity, and then create hierarchical lists of the aggrieved, of the victims, 
and we need to reimagine society according to critical race theory in a more not not equal but equitable whatever those two terms and the distinction between them mean it means a shift in power is what it means but it does not mean seeing each other on equal individual terms and it is everywhere this is the new form of racism this is modern day segregationists coming under the guise of anti-racism it's in academia it's in corporate hr departments it's in pop culture and it preys on people's good intentions. Nobody wants to sign up for anything that has a hint of racism. Everybody says they want to treat people as individuals. And because of that, they end up buying into an ideology that does the exact opposite. It requires you to see people through the prism of their skin color. Let me show you just how far it goes and what it preys upon, these good intentions of everyone out there. This is James Lindsay. He's a really interesting, fascinating academic who focuses on critical race theory and everywhere it's infiltrated our society. And he talks about how far it's proliferated and how it's managed to gain such a foothold. Listen to James Lindsay last night on the story. An ideology like critical race theory does, it plays upon our, our good intentions and turns them to something manipulative, which is why I've called it evil in the past. I actually do think it's an evil ideology in that regard. It twists words like anti-racism, which is something we should we should all be against racism, of course. And then it twists that into this 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 ideological project that it can then use to browbeat, whether it's individuals, whether it's institutions like the University of Tennessee or like uh, the, the New York Times, into doing its bidding, and it's just poisoning our society. Right. James Lindsay was with me last night on the story, said, you really can't find an aspect of society that goes untouched by the proliferation of this ideology. It certainly has integrated itself into higher education, into academia, now into high school and below. This is the stuff your children are being taught. I got to tell you, I don't have college-age kids yet, but I'm not. I mean, I'm all talk right now, I guess, because I got a couple more years before I have to start writing the checks. But I'm not real real hyped on writing hundreds of thousands of dollars of checks to send my kids to, to indoctrination factories that are teaching them to essentially be racists. I mean, you can keep that diploma, Harvard. I mean, University of Tennessee, you would think that might be a place of sanity. No. University of Texas, no. Find me a sane institution where you can send your kid to higher education. They might be worthy of our checks. Otherwise, it's straight to the workforce, boys. 18, figure out what you want to do the rest of your life. Be productive. You don't need four years getting indoctrinated into an ideology that doesn't even tolerate disagreement. But I want to hear from you. 866-408-7669. Give me a call. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio with Will Kane filling in. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. This has been fun. It's been like riding a bike, back to doing a solo radio show for three hours. They say it's one of the hardest jobs in media. I think it's one of the most fun. And part of it is because I get to hang out with you as we cross the finish line here. Let me hear from you. I want to get to as many of you as I can really quickly. So, Sarah, in Georgia, what do you have? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to mention the young lady who um, uh, was uh, kicked out of the University of Tennessee. I have read the article. Her 
good friend who's a, a black lady, um, young friend of hers, said she had apologized years ago for that. Apparently, the University of Tennessee had not allowed students in that they uh, somehow were, were shown audio or clips into the University of Tennessee. These freshmen were not allowed in. Now, her clip came out just recently, and I think it was a vindictiveness of this young man who was supposed to be her friend. Um, maybe he had some sort of grudge against her. Have you ever heard of young people using um, saying something, which that wasn't appropriate, but they use it as a, a terms of being cool, such young women sometimes will say, okay, you hoes. They'll use it as a terminology, not meaning or not trying to convey a message of um, slander against a race, et cetera, but they use it as a, a message of coolness. Now, let me mention this. Cardi B came out against the first lady Melania Trump and said all kinds of very insulting, damaging things, yet she'll sell many albums because she's a celebrity. That is that's wrong as well. I was at the University of Tennessee myself years ago, went through sorority rush. And when I was in the sorority uh, house, uh, went to, to several houses, there were these young ladies there, and there were several women there that were overweight. So they had just left in front of me, and the women there were making fun of them. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I'd never want to be a part of that type of culture uh, these where these privileged uh, young women make fun of other people right. uh, there's so much hypocrisy in that i didn't want to be a part of it yeah. and it goes on in our world and it's wrong and let me tell you this the world can harbor resentment against someone who something was taken out of context and it can turn people against that person right. and they're going right. to answer one day in their next life, they're going to answer to their Lord and Savior. God's going to destroy all this meanness, all the slander, all the hatefulness of this world, and people aren't getting away with anything. Right. I gotta, I gotta run, Sarah. We're up against the clock. I really like the point. My favorite point you made was that this young lady had already apologized years in the past. So the punishment comes after the apology. So what are we actually trying to get people to do? Grow, get better, be better people, or just empower those that want to destroy them? That's what it's about. It's about power. It's about virtue signaling. It's about making yourself feel better about who you are by stepping on the graves of other people's future. It's been Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can catch me on Twitter at Will Kane. You can catch me on Instagram, C. Will Kane, or Fox and Friends every Saturday and Sunday morning. Thanks for being with me. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.